You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided Network. Happy Thursday, everybody. The week is almost through. Today, we are once again talking all things 2020 NBA draft, and that means Wolves Big Board 3.0. Um, I will say off the top, we are in the process of our final uh, kind of full mock draft among the Locked On NBA hosts across all of our podcasts. And we're going to have um, just some exciting shows coming up where we everybody picks. We all talk about our picks. And I, I will say it's been a tough sell to try and trade the number one pick. And I am, I, I know I'm, I'm, I guess, uh, sapping some of my leverage here if, if any other hosts are listening to this. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying hard to trade the number one pick um, just like Gerson Rosas is in real life. And just like I'm sure Gerson is experiencing, it is challenging to try and convince anyone to take the number one pick and get any value back. Um, you know, with any of the other teams, there's just this scramble to move down, which is what we keep hearing. So it'll be fascinating to see if in real life, Gerson can pull this off. Um, I, I'm pretty skeptical that I'm going to be able to to move the selection. Maybe number 17, we'll see. Uh, maybe there's a move to be had later to try and move up to get some of these guys, uh, you know, some of the three and D type players who, who could really augment the Wolves rotation if they start to fly off the board. And I'm worried about them lasting until 17, but we'll see. I don't want to, I don't want to say too much about my strategy, but you know, keep, keep, keep an eye out for that, uh, to be published here in the next couple of weeks. We also got an exciting, um, you know, live show on, on draft night here in, I guess, less than two weeks on the 18th. So, um, look forward to that as well. All right. Uh, First here off the top, as always, a quick reminder, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. All right. So we've done 10 players on Big Board 3.0. I'm going to run through those very quickly and then lock into number 11, who is a player that I think a lot of other folks are going to have a lot higher on their big boards and I have yet to rank. So um, without further ado, here is the top 10 so far. LaMelo Ball, I still have number one on my big board. Number two, Killian Hayes. Number three, Anthony Edwards. Number four, Tyrese Halliburton. Five, Devin Vassell. Number six is Obi Toppin. Number seven, Patrick Williams of Florida State. Number eight, Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. Number nine, Auburn's Isaac Okoro. And number 10, who we talked about yesterday, Onyeka Kongwu, the big out of USC, who there is definitely a, a push among Wolves fans for, for the Wolves to consider him, at least in a tradeback scenario. Um, now, today, number 11 is another player who a lot of folks are going to have ranked a lot higher. Clearly, I favor, and, and I'm, you know, this is clear by my big board, but I'll admit it. I favor uh, the Tyrese Halliburton's, the Killian Hayes, these kind of combo guards that are maybe best cast as a point guard. I don't really care that the Wolves already have D'Angelo Russell. I think they need more playmakers. I think they got they need guys who are versatile and can do multiple things, which is also why I have LaMelo Ball number one. And that means some of these bigger players have slid down the board. Um, I, again, I'm thinking of this from the Timberwolves perspective and how I also believe that Gerson Rosas is trying to build a team. So I have at number 11 on my board, none other than James Wiseman, who some folks are going to have one, two, three. Um, in fact, I'm going to play a clip from our friend Chad Ford here in a moment. He's actually got James Wiseman number two on his big board. And I want to play a clip of Chad talking about Wiseman, um, which by the way, uh, side note, 
Chad's podcast on the Lockdown Network is back. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board is what it's called. He took a, a couple months off there, but he's back and is posting pods um, every week or so. So be sure to go check that out. But I want to play a clip of him talking about Wiseman. First, my thoughts on on James Wiseman. I do think if in a vacuum, Wiseman's probably a top three player in this draft. Um, if I'm just, you know, just putting out a big board, ranking the players, which I think is basically what Chad did. He's probably two or three on my big board. Wiseman is. Um, however, it doesn't make any sense at all for the Timberwolves to draft him. And, and that's why he's number 11 on my board, because if I'm the Wolves, the only way I'm taking him is if they trade back in somehow, some way he's sliding down the board like crazy. Um, you know, I guess at some point you have to consider taking him. I just don't think there's any world in which he makes sense next to Towns. Um, He's a little bit, I mean, as a prospect, so here's, here's why he's a great prospect. Obviously his size, he's a legit seven footer. He's got great length, great athleticism, solid scoring touch can, is a monster in transition, great in the pick and roll offensively. Um, he's a good shot blocker. All those things are very true about him. However, he's got some of the same issues defensively, um, that you'd worry about. And, and really any, even though he's athletic and he's big, he's got some of the same issues that a lot of big men have in guarding the pick and roll in today's game. He's not super quick laterally. He's can be a little bit slow footed, heavy footed at times, really on both ends of the floor, even for how athletic he is, which are not really issues that towns has had. Towns has struggled defensively more because the coverages have always changed. He hasn't always tried very hard defensively, frankly, towns I'm, I'm talking about, but towns is actually even though Wiseman's a better athlete than Towns, Towns is a little bit more fluid. He's got longer strides on offense that makes him really effective in the pick and roll and, and go into the basket. It feels like Towns can get there in two strides from the arc. And uh, I think that's true. And defensively, Towns, I mean, everybody remembers that clip from his first or second year guarding Steph Curry in the pick and roll in an end of game situation against Golden State. I think it was, it might've been his rookie year, Towns' rookie year. Towns can move his feet and guard defensively. And I think he does that better than Wiseman, despite the fact Wiseman is, again, a a better athlete. Um, but there's just enough defensive concern there that, that make it abundantly clear. He cannot play with Carl Anthony towns, um, in today's NBA, maybe 10, 12 years ago, eight years ago, even you could make the argument. They could have a twin towers type, you know, just dynamic pick and roll unstoppable. You know, you could screen on either side of the floor with either guy. Wiseman, you know, hasn't proven that he can shoot the ball from the outside, but he's got a, a decent shot um, decent shot mechanics. And I think he will develop a jumper and, and is an intriguing player, but he just won't work defensively with towns. And you're not going to draft a guy at number one, who is going to sit behind towns. And it's, if towns had one year left on his deal, maybe you consider it, but towns has four years left on his deal and, and he's not leaving anytime soon. So regardless of what some, some of the media reports might have you think towns isn't going anywhere for at least a couple of seasons. So it doesn't make any sense for the Wolves to draft Wiseman, but um, because I have that strong bias, I will play this clip from Chad Ford talking about Wiseman. So uh, here's that clip from Chad coming up next. All right. As promised, here is the clip of Chad Ford from NBA from Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast, talking about James Wiseman, the number 11 player on my board, number two on Chad Ford's Big Board. James Wiseman, center out of Memphis, moves up one spot over Anthony Edwards, which is interesting because I, I think right now the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick in the draft is Anthony Edwards. But Wiseman had one of these interesting starts this season, ranked really high, obviously doesn't get a play uh, very much for Memphis, only a couple of games that starts to worry scouts. They didn't see him against great competition. And, and I think that there's been an effect a bit with the NBA Finals with um, two big men, Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo, that have maybe nudged 
is the right word. Some teams into thinking that a hyper athletic big men with lots of tools and versatility on both ends of the floor might be valuable again. And again, it's it's trendy right now. Wings seem to be the most valuable position right now for NBA teams in the league, hence LaMelo Ball at number one. But there can also be where you start to underrate a particular position. Uh, there's some teams that are feeling now that maybe that's what's going on with Wiseman right now. He's going to look great uh, in workouts. Of course, teams are really limited in what they can do with those workouts. But I think that he's going to be a guy who maybe is going to be raw, is going to have to improve his toughness, is going to have to improve that motor a bit. But there's so much to like around the raw, intangible tools that are there that I I think that don't be surprised to hear Wiseman's name drafted high. Don't think he would go number one to Minnesota, but I think he is in the mix when you start thinking at number two uh, to the Golden State Warriors and then right uh, down the row. His draft range I have on there is one to eight. It's pretty wide for a guy who's two, but you know, I would, I would say with LaMelo Ball, his draft range is one to five. And so you're talking about players that different teams are valuing them different based off of team needs because, and, and I will get into this a little bit later in a different podcast when we talk about it tiers, there isn't like a tier one. And I'm not really sure that there's a tier two prospect in this draft. And so when you get players in tiers, you can start to think about how they might fit needs. Okay. As a reminder, my big board is through the lens of the Timberwolves. Chad's is a general big board of his best prospects in the draft. If I'm the Timberwolves, James Wiseman's not in the top five, six, seven, eight, nine guys that I would consider drafting. I have him number 11 because I do not think he is a realistic fit with the Timberwolves. I want to make sure I said that, that I, yes, in a vacuum, I do think Wiseman's probably a top three uh, you know, prospect in this year's draft. All right, so number 12 on my big board is Aaron Nesmith, the wing out of Vanderbilt. Um, Nesmith is, you could argue he's the best shooter in this draft. Certainly if you go off percentage, he is, but he had a... A, a really small sample size in college. He had some injuries last year as a sophomore. He shot 52.2% on 115 three-point attempts. That's more than eight attempts per game because he had that shortened season. So he shot the ball a ton when he was on the floor, but because the season was shortened, there's some concern about how realistic, you know, that, I mean, he's not going to shoot 50% of the NBA. We know that, um, but could he shoot 40%? And if he can, he's clearly a top 15 talent in this draft. If you know that you have a guy who's six, six with a six ten wingspan, that's going to knock down threes over 40% um, of the time, then uh, yeah, then, then that's, that's a player you want to draft the big drawbacks for Nesmith. And he is good size, six, 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 10 wingspans. Very nice. Um, you know, he's, he's, he, he's a little bit limited because of his height. So he's probably just going to be a three and maybe play some two could guard some, you know, not the most dynamic twos. Um, one of his weaknesses is he's not super athletic. He's not, he's not very quick laterally. Um, and so he has some work to do on the defensive end of the floor, but he should be a solid defender against similar size players, players that are also, you know, limited offensively or excuse me, limited athletically. So maybe he's guarding basically the mirror image of himself, a three and D type player who's a limited athlete. So that's the one concern with him for me is, is that defensively there's kind of a, well, he should be solid, 
there's a certain set of players that he should be able to lock down. And then, you know, everybody else he may struggle with simply because of his lack of, of lateral quickness and fluidity um, and athletic limitations. But his 6'10 wingspan is going to play. And um, he's really dynamic coming off of screens, catching and shooting, coming around screens. He's not going to create his own shot. He's not going to be a playmaker. And for that reason, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to play the two guard and be a secondary creator like, um, you know, some of the other guys that I have ranked in the top 10, a Killian Hayes, a Tyrese Halliburton, even a Malik Beasley, who's not a playmaker. He at least puts the ball on the floor a little bit. Nesmith isn't going to do that unless he's getting himself open around a screen, one dribble rhythm and, and up into a jumper. Um, he's got some work to do decision-making wise, passing wise. He's going to need to be able to catch and, and swing the ball. If he doesn't have an open shot at the NBA level, guys are going to close a lot quicker with their athleticism and length in the NBA than they did in college. And, and he's going to have to know when to pump fake, take a dribble and swing the ball and make the right decisions. Um, given all those limitations though, if you're drafting a guy again, who's six, 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 10 wingspan, solid one-on-one defender, a smart player who's going to shoot 40 to 42% from three, and maybe even a little better. I mean, it's, it's feasible. If you're shooting over hundred threes and you're making more than half of them, you're a good shooter. I mean, his form solid, all that, all that's good. Um, you know, he's, he's worth a look around pick number 11, which is, or excuse me, number 12, where I have him on my big board. And, uh, and I think if the wolves were to find themselves trading backwards in this year's draft, then, then, Nesmith is a guy you'd have to really consider or, and there's a realistic chance he slides to 17 because of those limitations that I mentioned athletically, um, you know, maybe uh, limitations on how many positions he can guard defensively. He may slide to 17. I mean, we're kind of in that range now where I may have guys ranked slightly higher than some of the other teams and some of the teams in the NBA. And if the Wolves have a guy like Nesmith this high on their board, there's a a legitimate chance that he's sitting there when the Wolves are picking at number 17. And even if Minnesota's looking at the possibility of trading out of this year's draft at 17 or maybe trading 17 for a future pick, they'll have a tough decision to make. And I'm sure this is one of the the things they've kind of weighed in their their pre-draft war room, if you will, is if we have the opportunity to pick X player at 17, or if we are given an offer from, you know, just random team call, say it's like the Knicks. I don't know, but just say it's like the Knicks who say, Hey, we'll give you a 2021 pick because there's a guy we really want to take at 17. Does Minnesota do that? If say Aaron Nesbis on the board, do they do it? If, you know, you know, player X is on the board, they're undoubtedly going through their big board. The wolves are and having those debates. If we're offered a mid, a likely mid round, mid first round pick next year for a R17 this year. Do we do it? Maybe if these set of players are on the board, we take those players. We don't make the trade. Or if these guys are all gone, we make the trade. They're they're certainly having that conversation, and that's probably already pretty set in terms of what they're likely to do this year. Um, but at any rate, I, I think if Nesbitt's on the board, he's someone I'd take a hard look at. Um, then again, next year's draft is also very deep, and so. At that point, you just say, eh, we're good. We've got enough young players on this year's draft, depending on what they do at number one or who they think will be on the board at 33. The Wolves may say that Nesmith's not worth taking there uh, because you are basically just drafting a, a really, really good shooter who has some defensive upside and good size, and he's going to be a good role player in this league. Um, but but if the Wolves decide that that's not a player that's that's worth them taking at 17, then he is somebody that, that they might pass on and, and instead trade that pick if he's still on the board, or he could be a target again, if they do a major trade back, if they gain a bigger piece and end up with like the Spurs pick or, or something that's, you know, a pick that's in the 10 to 14 range and Nesmith's on the board, then perhaps he's also, uh, perhaps there's some value taking him there as well. All right. Uh, next up, let's look at number 13 on the big board. 
All right. Number 13 on big board 3.0 is a player who, um, just slipped a spot in the ranking and actually has fallen uh, four spots since the first time I did this. By contrast, he's actually risen, according to reports across big boards across the around the league from different organizations. That's Kyrie Lewis Jr., the, the point guard out of Alabama. He's someone who consistently was being mocked kind of late lottery into the 20s by a lot of the mock drafts around um, around the blogosphere, I guess. And I had him number nine on my first big board. He slid a little down to 13 on my big board this time around. And now he's consistently being mocked in the 10 to 12 range with some rumors that he's going to go in the top 10. And there's a good chance he goes in the top 10. And there's a couple of reasons why I have him sliding a little bit. One is I've grown to like a couple of the other point guards in this draft quite a bit. And two, well, obviously we added James Wiseman this time around. I I had him off the big board last time. So that bumped him a spot. Um, But then also, uh, you know, I, I think... From the Timberwolves' perspective, Kyra Lewis Jr. only makes sense if you're not sold on Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, Lewis is a guy who's who's kind of locked into a position, right? He's going to play point guard given his size. Um, he stands 6'3 with a 6'6 wingspan, which is really solid for a point guard. And he's a good athlete. Um, and, and so that plays, but he's also, he's not going to play the two guard likely very often at the NBA level. I mean, there are some teams, Oklahoma City last year is one example, who went small and it worked a lot of the time for them. But I mean, will it work with D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Lewis? Probably not. The reason why it works with a guy like LaMelo Ball, in my opinion, is LaMelo Ball is 6'7", and he's he's a lot bigger than Kyrie Lewis. But um, I, I, think, I think that Lewis is a guy who, if he's on the board and if the Wolves trade back and if they're not sold on Jordan McLaughlin long-term, or if they have some indication that McLaughlin could look elsewhere this year in free agency. Um, he is technically a restricted free agent coming off a two-way contract. And it's unclear what what sort of contract he could demand. I don't know that very many teams are going to go after him because it is such a small sample size of success at the NBA level. But Kyra Lewis is kind of a dynamic he could easily be like a sixth man who who can be impactful immediately. I think he's going to be better. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be like Lou Williams immediately, but he's that type of a player where he can um, he can impact the game offensively because of his speed, his athleticism. He plays hard. He's got decent size for a point guard, um, but he's also good pretty good defensively. He's a little small to guard a lot of, you know, the bigger point guards in the NBA right now, but he's again, athletic enough and he plays hard and he's smart um, and he's agile and, and all those things. Um, you know, think, think a bigger and more athletic version of Tyus Jones defensively. Tyus Jones is a good defender. His biggest problem is he's, he's six feet tall, maybe. Um, and, and an okay athlete. Kyra Lewis is bigger. He's longer. He's more athletic and he plays hard and he's smart. So he could step in and be good defensively from day one and solid offensively. But his offensive upside is is really significant. I mean, he's a really good shot creator. He's very good in the pick and roll. He's he's a pretty good shooter. He's a little bit streaky, but um, his free throw percentage is good. Um, his effective field goal percentage was over fifty two percent in college, on uh, four hundred fifty field goal attempts. So he's going to be a relatively efficient player. There's some projectability there with his jumper that that's going to improve. He's going to improve from a playmaking pres- perspective. Um, but I, I mean really just kind of a solid player on both ends of the floor with upside. So I think he steps in and he's a good NBA player from day one, which is why I still have him at 13 on the big board, even though the Wolves should be set at point guard with D'Angelo Russell and Jordan McLaughlin. If Jordan McLaughlin hadn't broken out, Kyra Lewis is probably higher on my big board. Um, quite frankly, I, I think that I'm I'm buying mostly into McLaughlin's 15, 20 games or whatever at the end of last season where he was really, really good. Um, I think that it's legitimate. I think he's athletic enough. I think he's a solid shooter. And I think he is, uh, you know, good in enough areas 
and will be affordable that the Wolves are going to hang their hat on McLaughlin being a good backup point guard. Because another thing that's not super hard to find in the league is a good backup point guard, frankly. So if, if McLaughlin ends up, if they make the wrong decision and McLaughlin's, you know, bombs by December, well, I guess the season starts in December this year, but if he bombs by February, two months into the season, uh, then the Wolves could, could shift course and they could move on from McLaughlin. They could pick up a, you know, I mean, last year they got Shabazz Napier for basically nothing in a trade. And then, um, you know, that there's going to be other options out there. So I, I don't know that Kyrie Lewis makes a lot of sense for the Wolves as a draft pick, but I do like him as a prospect. And I think he's going to be a good NBA player. He's got the ceiling of a starter. I think it's more likely he's one of the league's best backups um, and, and could you know, end up being like a sixth man who's on the floor in crunch time as a secondary ball handler and and uh, you know part of a two, two-point guard backcourt for a contending team. I could see that happening with Kyrie Lewis Jr. Because I think, again, he's good enough on both ends. He has the athleticism and size at the point guard position to be really good long-term. Um, but again, just not a, a perfect fit for the Timberwolves. All right. The rest of this week, uh, well, I guess we just have Friday to go. If you're not familiar with the podcast, um, if, if this is one of your first times listening, we do have shows Monday through Friday daily. So we'll be back on Friday. Um, likely we'll do uh, number 14, 15, and 16 on the big board and get real close to where the Wolves have their selection at 17. The plan is to go through the early 20s and then skip down to the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, and profile some prospects who I think could be Wolves targets at number 33 with the third pick of the second round. We'll continue to mix in some of these um, sound bites from Chad Ford, also Brad Rowland, the uh, the host of Locked on Hawks, and uh, he, he does a great job on the draft and, and recorded some podcasts with Chad Ford. So we'll have a few of those sound bites on some of these middle of the first round prospects on the big board. Um, so look forward to that on Friday and then also next week. And then, as I mentioned, in the coming couple of weeks, there will be plenty of draft coverage across the Lockdown NBA network. And uh, you'll hear plenty uh, from all of the different hosts, especially the teams up in the lottery and our commentary, our back and forth on on who's going to you know, who's available for trade and, and who's taking who where and, and hopefully give us a sense for what might actually happen on, on Wednesday the 18th here in, in less than two weeks. All right, that's all we have for you today here at Locked On Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.